you use to listen to RTI programs. You can write more than one, but list the most frequent one first. Question number two. Which RTI programs are your favorites? Write no more than three programs. Question number three. Out of a total of five stars, how many stars would you give RTI's English broadcasts overall? And question number four. What are your suggestions for RTI's English programs? Everybody who enters will have a chance to win a prize. Send your answers to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan, 11199. Or send it via email. Our email address is audience01 at rti.org.tw. That's audience and the numbers 0 and 1 at rti.org.tw. Be sure to leave your name, gender, age, and nationality. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. When I first met Claire Lee, I thought she looked familiar. Then it turned out that she had worked at RTI in the Chinese service before. Claire is now the partnership manager for Xinzu Jieko Lioneers basketball team as their title sponsor. Lioneers is the name uh, that comes from engineers because Xinzu is famous for its Xinzu Science and Technology Park. Anyway, Claire didn't work very long at RTI because she's someone who just can't stay long at one thing, you know. She has to keep changing jobs or places. She and her family had lived in Canada for some time when she moved there at the age of 10 and then went on to university there. After a three-month backpacking with friends in Europe, that's after graduation, she came back to Taiwan because her parents wanted her to. And she said she wanted to as well come back to Taiwan, back to where her roots are. She had a bit of a stint working for TEDx backstage, rather. Today, we're going to hear what else she's been up to and about her title as partnership manager for the Lioneers. But first, a replay on the last thing she talked about last week. What happened after TEDx? Um, After TEDx, um, I actually worked on several different projects and it all related to content and stories. You mean for TEDx? Uh, no, I had oh. freelanced a few projects outside. Uh-huh. Yeah, because we had a little bit of um, downtime during mm-hmm. then um, because events is a little bit seasonal yeah. throughout the year. Um, so I actually, one of my projects that I worked on during then was um, a media platform that talked about current politics. Oh, and, um, you even touch on politics, okay. <laughs> I actually didn't know I was getting into that, but <laughs> I guess you have to get your foot into it first. Uh-huh. Um, but it was a really interesting um, platform that I worked on. It was a media platform where they invite different people from culture, from um, entertainment, from even um, public policy, uh-huh. um, just to talk about public issues in okay. Taiwan. Not in a very serious manner, just okay. something to reach out to the young But then after that, um, the owner of that project actually went off to Shanghai uh-huh. a year after that, yeah. which I had no idea of. Mm. And then two years after that, he reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to come and work in Shanghai? <laughs> and I was like, no, Shanghai, I never thought about it. I never crossed my mind. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
But um, after a, a few days of thought, I thought um, I've always wanted more challenge. Yeah. Um, and I never knew what it would be like to work in China. Yeah. I've heard a lot of stories. Yeah. Of course, people tell you how yeah. China is like, how people there work, and. So I thought, okay, instead of hearing how people tell me what they're like,、yeah. why don't I go there myself、uh-huh. and experience it? So、um, yeah, so I went to Shanghai to work for、um, a movie special effects company,、mm. um, and it's、uh, it's called Digital Domain.、Um, some of you may know uh, it's uh, a movie special effects company founded by、um, director James Cameron,、oh, okay. who's also the director of Titanic, Titanic, and, yeah, and, and Avatar. Avatar. Um, and many other blockbuster yes, movies, yes.、Um, and this company moved on to also doing commercial、uh, special effects, and they had different branches of, of offices around the world,、mm. and then they later had、um, two offices in China, and I was part of the Shanghai team.、Mm. Yeah. Oh wow! Look at all the things that you're learning from all the different domains. Did Shanghai turn out to be what you heard? <laughs> Um, or more or less? <laughs> of course, more. <laughs> Everything is always more. I、oh, think. Okay, so more positive. Ah,、uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I would say no pain, no gain. Ah,、uh-huh. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, because it was actually quite a、um, interesting journey because I had a lot to adjust to. Yeah.、Um, Even though. You know, both sides are Chinese-speaking countries. Yeah. Yes.、Um, oh, even though you're in an international environment. Yes.、Um, I spoke English, so there are colleagues who spoke English,、uh-huh. and I have local colleagues who spoke Mandarin.、Um, I spoke Mandarin, but the culture itself is very different. Oh yeah.、Um, the way they communicate.、Mm. Um, it took me a long time to get used to.、Um, for example, they would be very direct. Mm. In, in re- requesting you,、mm-hmm. um, but then in Taiwanese manner, it would be, "Well, are you just mad at me?"、Um, <laughs> but they're not. You know, they're just really direct and straight to the point. But in Taiwan, people are always like, "Bu hao yi si," you know, "I'm sorry <laughs> I'm for sorry, intruding but,、uh, you." But yeah, yeah.、Uh, but they don't have <laughs> they that. They don't say that. They、yeah. don't say that. So like the way to spot a Taiwanese in Shanghai <laughs> is if you start "bu hao yi si," and they're like, "Oh, you're Taiwanese." <laughs> That is funny. Now you actually back in Taiwan is because of the pandemic. Yeah. Otherwise, you would still be working for that company in Shanghai. How how long were you in Shanghai? Two years, you said.、Was、Almost、it? two. Almost, Almost two, two, right? Yeah. Okay. What are you doing now? Now that you're back in Taiwan. Now this is the exciting part I want to know about. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I I guess like I was planning to give myself a break after Shanghai, um, coming back to Taiwan. But like I just. It's hard to rest, I guess. Like I just, I'm always on the run. So I actually had the opportunity to get to know a project that was、um, actually incubating at the time,、mm-hmm. um, and、uh, it's the Xinju Jieko Lanyers、mm-hmm. basketball、um, team. The basketball team. At the time, I only heard news about、oh, there's a new professional basketball league. Right? How new is it actually? So the league itself, they started assembling、uh, June last year. Oh wow! Right、yes. in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess it's a time when people think, okay, now everyone's kind of slowing down. I got to do something now.、Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So、um, it's called Plus League.、Uh-huh. So it's founded by Blackie Chen. Right.、Um, um, he was also a former a celebrity. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he started assembling people, asking team to join the league, and out of the four teams, there was no team in Xinjiang. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. So Shinju's team, basketball team, is brand new team. The city has never had a professional basketball team ever in Taiwan history.、Mm-hmm. So、um, the project I was approached by was this project,、mm-hmm. um, and they wanted to start a brand new team, recruiting、uh, new players,、mm-hmm. and also a, a marketing team, an operational team, to bring this team on the board. Sure.、Um, so. I was approached to maybe help out on the partnerships.、Uh-huh. So partnerships basically、um, is looking out for people and brands that would be interested in working with the team、yeah. and、um, leveraging the platform and also helping、um, the team developing a brand of itself.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of ways of working together with professional teams.、Mm, yeah. It's so cool. Now you actually got into this job not knowing anything about basketball. Is that true? Yeah. I, I don't. <laughs> I think I have a Pattern of getting myself into something I really don't know. But you seem to be attracted to those kind of you know situations. <laughs> yeah, I guess this is kind of like a subconscious drive. You、yeah. know, always wanting more challenges.、Um, a lot of people say that it's really masculine of me. I don't know. <laughs> But well not, put. Yeah, not you know throwing a gender stereotype there. But.、Um, But yeah, I didn't know anything about basketball.、Um, I, of course, I know Kobe Bryant. I I know LeBron James, like、uh-huh. all these famous names. But I didn't know how the game is played. <laughs> um, I don't know how you can foul someone. I don't know how many quarters you're supposed to play. Like, is this all new to me? Yeah. Um, but like, I thought the project was really interesting, so I decided to, um, to really dig into it. So I start started studying NBA history. To be fair, I'm still not an expert. Like, don't. Ask me about anything about NBA. <laughs> like I know so little, and I think I I kind of my learning curve really、um, happened when I stood on the court、mm-hmm. on the side,、mm-hmm. um, watching the game play,、mm-hmm. um, and you actually see everything in action,、mm-hmm. and you started to know what happens. And then also listening to how the、um, the broadcasters kind of broadcast、oh. the game, and you're like, oh, why is this person being fouled? And it's actually a fake move.、Uh, <laughs> no, like they they did it on purpose. It's really interesting. Yeah.、Mm. Oh wow! How can you do that? You're watching the game at the same time, listening to the broadcasters, so that you kind of you know mash the two together and figure out, oh, that's what the point is. You're so multitasking. Oh, <laughs> I I actually thought I I'm really good at multitasking. Yeah.、Um, earlier on when.、Uh. When I was younger, but now I think it's getting harder. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. I'm sure you have a love for the game now. Yeah, it's actually really exciting because、mm. you. I think working close with the team also gives me another hindsight of the stories of the players.、Oh. Um, I got to know a little bit about the players on the team. And、um, what's really interesting about our team is that、um, all the players on the team they had their peak performance at some time, and then they all kind of went into their really down times.、Um, and by joining this team, it's kind of like a new stage for them. And so, unlike the champion players who are always at their peak, these players are just in there for. A big fight,、mm. um, and we've even had players who didn't start out as professional players earlier on. Some of them worked at a gas station.、Uh-huh. Some of them worked in a restaurant.、Uh-huh. Um, and there's one player, one star player on our team,、um, Calvin. He didn't get serious about basketball playing until university,、mm. which is very rare in Taiwan because if you want to be in the professional、um, level,、mm-hmm. most people. 
started playing in junior high and high school, and they get spotted、mm-hmm. in high school, and then you would get people trying to scout you.、Yeah. Um, that's why HBL. Mm-hmm. Is so popular in Taiwan. It's a really interesting team where people come from different backgrounds. Our team captain、um, Wu Daihao, in his era, he's like top of the top,、mm. um, and and he's still around, which is really amazing.、Um, so he's kind of like the icon, the、mm-hmm. symbol of the the team, where he get to pass down his legacy and his know how experience to the younger members of the team. It's just a very interesting perspective to see the basketball game and the basketball team, rather than just looking at the at the gameplay game. on the on the spectator seat. Yeah, it's different. Oh wow, that's cool. And and your job, what do you exactly do? I talk to people、um, and then try to find ways where brands can merge or have synergy into the Lanier's. Brand image as well,、um, so like instinctively,、um, people would think, yeah, you can work with Nike, you can work with Adidas, all these sports brands. That's something that we are working towards as well. But we also work with different industries as well. So,、uh, for example, we have a sponsor who、um, is in the fintech. Industry, which is our title sponsor, financial technology. Yes, Jayco.、Uh-huh. So you normally yeah, you would yeah, think, yeah.、Oh, okay, why fintech or financial technology、um, brand? Why would they come? Well, there's a lot of things you can do、um, when you enter the arena or the stadium. Everything relating to watching the game can be done on your mobile.、Mm. Um, and then we have our merchandise as well. Right. So merchandise, any purchasing. Um, behavior、yeah. can be done on the mobile, right? And also, they have、um, a lot of fans have the players that they support.、Mm. Um, so, what happens if the fans actually found out the players who score the highest during that game, they get a home ball? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah,、uh-huh. so lots of different fun things yeah, you can do. That's you know that motivates you to purchase more, watch the game, or you know support the team. And why not, right? Crossing、mm. different、um, denominations and different fields. You know, I mean, they work together. So now that you're back in Taiwan, okay, what are some of the things that you really missed about Taiwan, and in comparison to you know places you've lived in like Shanghai and. Canada. So it's really interesting. Before I left for Shanghai, I've always thought that、um, Taiwan is the most convenient place、mm, in the world. I totally agree, and it still is、mm. um, in a lot of ways. When I went to Shanghai, I became more. How do What you did、say? you miss? It's just the food. In short, <laughs> in food, I was I trying to. Ma- say, I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like I was trying to make a really good. Narrative out of it, but in short, it's just food.、Um, and I actually asked a lot of people in Shanghai and back in Taiwan, why is it so? It's not like about street food that's really good, on or like the Taiwanese cuisine, because you can get that in Shanghai. But this one thing, out of the limited knowledge or the experience I had a year and a half in Shanghai, I still feel so strongly about is the freshness of food. When my friend actually told me that, I'm like, "What do you mean? <laughs> you know, like China is so big, the market's so big, you can get anything. China is so big, yes, and Taiwan 
is smaller. Small. So the produce in transporting it, right, it's a lot faster. Yes. Yeah, and you can get it just in a minute. Yeah. You can grow it and eat it right away. <laughs> the freshness is nothing to be compared to. Thank you so much, Claire. It's been so much fun talking to you. Thank you so much, Shirley. Yeah, it's really, really inspiring to hear your story. So keep inspiring other people. Thank、yeah. you. I hope to do that too. Okay. All、Thank、right.、You. Thanks. Classic shorts, poems, and stories from Chinese literature. Hello and welcome to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. Today we're going to listen to one of the most famous poetic dialogues in Chinese literature. These are poems written by the famous Tang Dynasty poets Wang Wei and Pei Di. Wang would write a quatrain, four lines of five Chinese characters each, about his sentiments, about a particular scene around his estate. And then his close friend Pei Di would respond to that. Their dialogue became one of the most famous collections of its kind in Chinese history, called the Wang River Collection or the Wang Chuan Collection. Today we read a few more of these poems. Let's start with Willow Waves. Now, willow, liu, in Chinese actually sounds like stay, liu. So, at the time when people departed, there was a custom that you would give them a willow branch. Also, willow trees were planted around the walkway of the imperial palace, and that was a place where many officials were sent off and said goodbye when they were going to their appointed. Official postings. So this poem is called "Willow Waves." Beautiful trees, separately gathered. Inverted images in clear ripples. They didn't learn from the royal moat. Those sadden on parting. In spring winds, he's talking about the willow trees around the moat of the imperial palace, where people would often say goodbye. And Pady writes, "The water's reflections appear as one, a puff, and they scatter like silk threads." Joined shadows already have the earth. Who evades time in that clay house? This poem is called Luanja Rapids, and the two poets Wang Wei and Pei Di mention birds in their poem. 
and you might notice the difference between the attitudes of the birds of the two poets. Wang Wei writes, Saw saw amid autumn rain, the shallows flood across the rocks. The leaping waves splash up together. An egret starts, then settles back. This was Pedi's response. The rapids roar at the far bank. I followed the ford to the south crossing. The floating gulls and ducks come over. Time after time to be near people. This work is called Gold Dust Spring. Wang Wei writes, Drink daily from this gold dust spring. Stay young for more than a thousand years. Green phoenix guarding the patterned dragon. Feather adorned, attend the jade emperor. Pei Di responds with his lines, winding and still, clear and unflowing gold, jade, as if you can gather them. Greeting the dawn, I drank pure splendor, my soul affair, my morning draft. This last poem for the day is called White Rock Shoal. In the calm shallows of White Rock Shoal, green reeds are long enough to grasp. From houses east and west of the water, they're washing silk beneath the moon. Patey writes, feet dangling off the rock repeatedly. Playing with ripples, it's still calm. Sunset, it's chilly on the river. The floating clouds are colorless. That is part of the Wang River Collection, one of the most famous poetic dialogues in Chinese history, written by Tang Dynasty poets Wang Wei and Pei Di. Thanks for tuning in to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. Listening to News Playlist. We've queued up some of the most interesting reports for you, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. You're listening to News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. 
It's the moment Taiwan has been waiting for, the beginning of vaccinations for COVID-19, and the hope that this might be the first step back to a more normal-looking world. Healthcare workers were the first ones to get the jab. Every country's vaccine rollout has to start somewhere. For Taiwan, it's here, with Stronghe Hospital Director Wu Maisi. He says he didn't feel a thing. Getting a vaccine is something everyone, young and old, has to do. Although he looks calm, Wu's blood pressure hit 175 before the vaccination, meaning he needed to wait for it to drop to normal levels. Reporters asked one nurse who got the vaccine whether he's worried about the side effects. He says he is. All the major COVID-19 vaccines have side effects, but since he sometimes cares for infected patients, he wants to guarantee his own safety. 57 hospitals around Taiwan started vaccination on Monday. According to guidelines, all recipients need to rest for half an hour after inoculation. Linko Changgeng Memorial Hospital Director Chang Wenjun says that's to make sure recipients don't have any adverse reactions. Of course, staff are all free to choose whether or not to get vaccinated. But for most frontline workers, it's an easy choice to get the vaccine and get back to work with a bit of peace of mind. Stash Butler, RTI News. Taiwan health workers are slow to sign up for vaccinations due to their uncertainty over AstraZeneca's side effects and effectiveness. The premier got his COVID jab, as did the health minister. Health minister Chen Shizong said he had a slight fever, but that it's gone now. Vaccinations began on Monday for health workers, but as of noontime on Tuesday, only 1,578 have been vaccinated. That represents just 1.56 percent of health workers. Only nine got vaccinated in Nanto, while only 10 shots were given each in Penghu, Taidong, Shinzu, and Jilong. Just 11 were given in Miaoli. At this rate, it's going to take a long time to get people vaccinated. Why aren't people eager to get the shot? Infectious disease specialist Dr. Huang Liming says that health workers are worried about the side effects and the effectiveness of the vaccine. Some people want to wait for more data on the side effects and also see how effective it is. Taiwan is making some breakthroughs with its own vaccines. In clinical trials on rats and humans, the third dose of one of these vaccines has been found effective against the South African variant of COVID-19. The spokesperson for the high-end vaccine, Li Sixian, says that Taiwan should get the rights to go ahead with this vaccine in June. Local companies are hoping to begin mass production by mid-year. When Taiwan's vaccines are ready, President Taiwan will be the first to get vaccinated. Natalie So, RTI News. Taiwan has donated medical supplies to France to help contain the COVID-19 pandemic. The foreign ministry held a ceremony last week to facilitate the private sector's initiative. Taiwan has donated 120,000 face masks and the disinfectants to France. At the donation ceremony at the foreign ministry, boxes of medical supplies are decorated with the national flags of Taiwan and France. At the ceremony are Deputy Foreign Minister Harry Zinn, Taoyuan Mayor Zheng Wenchen, and the head of the French office in Taipei, Kezabon Mazanov. Mayor Zheng says he believes that Taiwan is a good friend and partner for France in Asia. One highlight of the press conference is pineapple snacks for the guests. Deputy Foreign Minister Zinn says we trust that Taiwan-France ties will continue to strengthen and that the friendship is as sweet as pineapples. French Mayor Stroman of Coloma City says the face mask will go to people who need them most. 
The Red Cross in France also says the donation is a huge help. This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound. Firefighters in central Taiwan's Taichung City are working overtime. Within two short weeks, people called upon the fire department 231 times to extinguish fires at public cemeteries. The culprit? Traditions like burning joss paper and incense during Taiwan's Tomb Sweeping Festival. A wall of fire blazes through the outskirts of a public cemetery in central Taiwan's Taichung City. Out here, firefighters must brave blinding smoke and intense heat. Their only option is to put on masks and push through the inferno with hoses and extinguishers. For firefighters, this is no run-of-the-mill job. Out here, there are no fire hydrants, so personnel can only rely on the limited water supply brought in by fire trucks. Even worse is that a simple gust of wind can expand the fire, complicating the already dire situation. It's the tomb sweeping season in Taiwan, which means people are burning incense and joss paper at outdoor cemeteries to honor their ancestors. However, these combustible traditions have firefighters working overtime. Taichung Fire Department says it received 231 cases related to cemetery fires between March 7th and March 21st. It said it received over 50 of those cases in a single day. Fire officials are asking people to play it safe when tomb sweeping. They ask the public to avoid burning anything at all outdoors if possible and to clean up after themselves. If people can abide by those guidelines, then Taiwan's firefighters won't be feeling so burnt out. Leslie Liao, RTI News. Just as an extended dry spell had farmers worried, a place in the mountains of Taichung finally got a full day of non-stop rain. Needless to say, fruit farmers there are exhilarated. It began raining at 6 in the morning. After 6 p.m., it turned to a light drizzle, but kept falling for a very long time. Under normal circumstances, that wouldn't be terribly newsworthy. But for farmers in Lishan, central Taiwan, that day of rainfall may prove vital. Central and southern Taiwan are in the grip of a long-lasting drought that's emptied out reservoirs. One farmer says the rain came at just the right time, when fruit trees are blooming and tea leaves are budding. He says that to farmers, it felt as if it was raining gold. As a result of the precipitation, the Uzi Reservoir in the area got some rain, but not as much as the Water Resources Agency had anticipated. That's because the reservoir's water level was down to just 6% of capacity. The agency says it is time to create some man-made rain to fill the reservoir before further water conservation measures are put into place. Shirley Lin, RTI News. Taiwan has been trying hard to protect its beautiful leprechauns. Still, some are hit by cars as they try to cross roads. In response, Miaoli County has developed a way to ensure the cats can cross a river while avoiding a dangerous road. A special tunnel in Miaoli County has been designed for the use of leopard cats and avoids a stretch of road where they could easily be hit by cars. It is the first structure of its kind in Taiwan. 
The tunnel is a big corrugated pipe that's 30 meters long. The inside is lined with sawdust to make it look natural. This way, the wildcats will be less hesitant to go inside. A hidden camera has caught sight of a leopard cat cautiously checking out the structure at the entrance. In order to prevent bigger animals like dogs from entering and attacking the leopard cats, railings have been placed at both ends of the tunnel so that only animals with small bodies like leopard cats can get through. Hopefully, more leopard cats will become familiar with the tunnel and come to use it. Shirley Lin, RTI News. And that's all we have for this week's edition of News Playlist. For Radio Taiwan International, I'm Paula Chow. Bye-bye. What do you know about Taiwan? I know who the president is. What about their local music and food? Well, hmm, what do you suggest? Tune in to Radio Taiwan International. Here at RTI, we offer the authentic Taiwan experience. You hear the sound of remote attractions, the local food, music, the lives of real Taiwanese as they live it. Visit english.rti.org.tw. Listen to the real Taiwan. As I say, I feel very excited that Palau and Taiwan are probably the first country to be in this travel bubble. Palau has been preparing for it, also Taiwan. I just hope and pray that uh, Palau will continue to be COVID-free with this uh, bubble travel between Taiwan and Palau. Hello and welcome to this week's Underline brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. A much-anticipated travel bubble between Taiwan and Palau will start on April 1st, the first of its kind in the Asia-Pacific region. The travel bubble will allow people to travel to both countries with no quarantine. To find out more, let's hear from the ambassador of Palau, Ambassador Demel Okelrel. Ambassador Demel Luisa Alcare, I think first of all, I have to say congratulations because we have been waiting long enough, I think, for this travel bubble between Taiwan and Palau. Right. And now it seems that it will be realized in early April. Yeah, now, April 1st, in fact. Yes, because the last time we talked about the possibility of having a travel bubble that was... Uh, Probably in early January or late December, we hope that it would uh, begin around the Lunar New Year. Right. Yes, but then there was a cluster infection within the Taoyuan Hospital. Right. So how do you see the whole process right now? Well, uh, people uh, in Palau are excited. And at the same time, uh, there are still people who are worried that visitors from Taiwan may bring a first case of COVID to Palau. So they're very cautious. That's why the testing will be done at the Taiwan airport. So there will be a PCR test before they travel to Palau? Before um, checking in and boarding the flight. Mm -hmm. What about after they arrive in Palau? 
No, no, no testing and no quarantine, but they have designated uh, places to go. And the travel bubble will start in April, to be exact, on April 1st. Right. How do you personally, as the ambassador of Palau to Taiwan, feel right now? As I say, I feel very excited that Palau and Taiwan are probably the first country to begin this travel bubble. And uh, Palau has been preparing for it and um, also Taiwan. So I just hope and pray that uh, Palau will continue to be COVID-free with this uh, bubble travel between Taiwan and Palau. Uh, This travel bubble, is there a trial period? Yes, it will start with two flights a week for maybe two weeks, and then it will increase the flights. If everything goes well as planned, the flights will be increased to four flights a week, and eventually the flights will be daily. So from two flights to four flights and then to um, daily flights, Mm -hmm. that's the hope for the future. Mm -hmm. And... uh, uh, how long do you expect that this can be achieved? I'm I'm pretty sure it will be uh, achieved because uh, the planning has been going on for a long time, and uh, China Airlines and Eva Air will be flying to Palau, and I also uh, heard that uh, Tiger Air also will be flying. I think all sites, including uh, the Taiwanese sites and the Palauan sites, they have taken all precautionary measures just yes. to ensure yes. that both mm. countries are safe from COVID-19. Yeah, and also Palau is also agreeing to open up to Taiwan visitors uh, because Taiwan, uh, as you know, has done an extremely well, uh, excellent job in controlling the covid uh, so, Palau trusts Taiwan that... Uh, uh, Palau now is COVID-19 free, and yes. uh, Taiwan has actually uh, slightly more than 1,000 cases. Most of those cases are imported. Right. So, uh, technically, Taiwan is safe. Right. Now, for a passenger to travel to Palau, um, he needs to take the PCR test before and after uh, or during the flight. Uh, no, they take it before they board the flight uh, at the airport. So they will have to take it before they board the flight. Yes, and then um, uh, the result will be sent to Palau before they arrived. Okay, what if someone is tested positive? Then they cannot board. Okay, so when they come back to Taiwan, I think they need to have some kind of uh, self-monitoring uh, management. Uh, yes. I think they call it uh, like home isolation. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. For how long? Um, I'm not so sure. Maybe five days. So for five days. Uh-huh. So they have to self-monitor their health for right. about five days. So which is very different from uh, quarantine. Uh, quarantine for yes, 14 yes. days. Uh-huh. So that would be the same. So when passengers arrive uh, from Palau, say, to Taiwan, that would be reciprocal. Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. Now, we know to usher in the new service, Palau President, the new president, President Surangel Whips Jr., uh-huh. will visit Taiwan from March 28th to April. Right. In the first official foreign trip since his January 21st inauguration. And it's, it's also the first head of 
state that Taiwan will receive. Yeah, he's the first uh, foreign head of state that Taiwan will receive in like a so, year. Yes, so f- almost about two years right now. Yeah, yeah. You must be very excited because the president will take the inaugural flight, but the president will also come to Taiwan to officially launch the flight as well. Yes, yes, yes. But he considered this uh, trip uh, as a working, working trip. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, no touring and no, uh, it's more like working. He wants to make sure everything on Taiwan side is uh, all set and ready. And then uh, he also wants to let the people of Palau know that it is safe to go to Taiwan and come back. <laughs> uh-huh. Which is why he as the president would like to take the first flight. Yes, he's a true leader, you know. Mm-hmm. We leave the <laughs> trouble bubble tour. This is Radio Taiwan International. Ambassador, the, the number of passengers will be kept at 110 per flight on a Boeing 73-800 jet flight that can seat 158 people. Right. Um, why? They limit the number. Uh, because that, for the time being, that number can be handled effectively in Palau. We talked about at the very beginning that uh, the tour group from Taiwan will have to stay at the designated places in Palau. So in a way, their activities will also be limited. Do you think so? Yes, will be limited, but they can go to the cultural site, can go to the Rock Island for... Uh, diving and snorkeling. So they will not be allowed to travel outside of uh, And they can go to the stores, uh, but of course they have to wear their mask. Uh. And travel in a group. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they are not allowed to travel individually. Uh, that I don't know for sure. So they will not be allowed to use a mass transportation in Palau or visit? They'll be using uh, buses from the uh, arranged by the uh, tour agencies. Uh, uh, visitors authority. Ambassador, more than 1,000 Taiwanese, according to the local news, have signed up for the travel. That shows a keen interest in Palau. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, you, as, as an ambassador yourself in Taiwan, you've been working for the travel bubble for quite some time right now. Right. Uh, even our previous interviews, we focus on the travel bubble. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel right now? Excited. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what is your target in the future? Well, I'm hoping that more uh, tourists will go to Palau, but help us. They also must help us to protect our environment. Now, the tour group for five days, four nights, cost about 2,000 US dollars to right. about 3,000 US dollars. Uh-huh. So a lot of people say that it is at least um, one third or even twice as expensive as the normal um, tour before mm-hmm. the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think? I, I think it's also costly, but uh, since um, it, it is like the first time to do this bubble travel or travel bubble, but eventually the cost will uh, be reduced as more flights uh, are flying to Palau. When is the schedule, the cost that will be reduced maybe two or three months later? Uh, I'm thinking, yeah, about two months later 
or maybe maybe by end of April the, the flights will be increased to at least four. What about in the summer? The summer has always been a peak season in Taiwan. Right. Yeah. Of course. By then, I think the flights will be daily. Right now, the cost is very high because it will be only China airline flying. And in the future, like you said, there will be other airlines such right. as EVA yes. or another budget airline mm-hmm. like Tiger Airline as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And our president will be meeting with the representative of uh, EVA Air and also Starlux Air. Airline. Oh, so there will be a lot of airlines actually. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, all the airlines are interested to fly into Palau because they cannot fly. <laughs> to Flying other countries. outside of Taiwan is very limited now, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Ambassador, um, I know that this travel bubble talk have been in discussion for a very long time right, right uh, now. What were some of the challenges that you faced uh, during the talk with the Taiwanese government and also to convince the government of Palau as well? Um, first, uh, let me talk about Palau. Palau uh, president, the, the former president and the current president are really pushing for this. Uh, they supported the trouble bubble. But the people of Palau were afraid uh, that uh, flights from Taiwan to Palau will bring COVID. But uh, Palau now, uh, Palau started uh, to vaccinate uh, the people of Palau in January. So as of now, many people have been vaccinated, and that's also another reason why Palau is in agreement with this uh, trouble bubble with Taiwan. But most importantly, also, there is the consistency in policy between the former president and the new president who assumed office in early January. Right, and how did you convince the new president? Oh, he was... Uh, I didn't have to convince him. He was supportive of the trouble bubble, and he believed that it should be implemented as soon as possible. That's mm. why he's he's coming. <laughs> <laughs> so you uh, won the support from all sides, from uh, the government side in Palau right. and the people's side in Palau. And but on the part of Taiwan, so I know that there was a struggle. There was there were quite challenges to be met uh, during your discussion. I tried because Palau doesn't have COVID. I thought it was uh, good for people from better for people from Palau or any passengers from Palau not to be quarantined for fourteen days because there's no COVID in Palau, and then passengers get tested, uh, so they show negative test result and. I think uh, 14 days in quarantine for passengers from a country like Palau that has no COVID uh, should change. Uh, We are happy to see that uh, the travel bubble will be realized in April. And uh, what do you have to say to our listeners both here in Taiwan and around the world? For uh, visitors from Taiwan, I welcome you to Palau. I hope you enjoy your trip to Palau because Palau is COVID-free and you can um, take your vacation and not be mindful or worried that you might get uh, infected. And for the world, uh, uh, travelers from other countries, Palau, I'm sorry to say, but Palau is not opening up to other countries, only Taiwan. And uh, 
coming to Taiwan to go to Palau at this time is not allowed. <laughs> yeah, I, if they come to Taiwan, they have to quarantine for 14 days. Yes, for our worldwide passengers, we would like to tell you right now, um, only Taiwanese can travel yes, to Palau, yes, yes. and only Palauans can travel to Taiwan at this moment. Uh-huh. Well, not, not just Taiwanese, but uh, even foreigners who reside in Taiwan can go to Palau. Yes. 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 Uh-huh. So, and uh, we are happy for that, and we've been joined on the phone today by the ambassador of Palau, Ambassador Dimel Luisa Alcaro. And that wraps up this week's On The Line, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Until then, goodbye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. Thank you.